Thank you for that song. Take your Bibles, if you would, and turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter number 4. If you're able to stand this morning for the reading of God's Word, 1 Thessalonians chapter number 4, and we continue our series on the signs of the times. I don't know about you, but <clears throat> whenever I'm out in the city or traveling around, I'm always glad for some, not all, of the signage that's out there. It helps me to understand maybe uh, which direction or maybe which uh, exit or what turn to take. I guess the, the sign that I always struggle with is stop signs, yield signs, and speed limit signs. But other than that, I like, uh, I like the signage. And, of course, you know, the Bible is an amazing book because God's Word gives us many signs, many indicators to help us. And that's part of what this series is about is there are days ahead known as the end times or the last days. And so we're looking at this series about just kind of going really almost chronologically on the things that are going to happen in the days ahead. This morning, out of 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, I've entitled the message, Caught Up to a Meeting in the Air. Caught Up to a Meeting in the Air. And notice with me, if you would, these verses, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, beginning at verse 13. But I would not have you to be ignorant, notice the word brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that ye sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, and do we? Amen. Notice, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. <clears throat> For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. What a great passage, and what a great study that we're going to have this morning, and let's pray that God would bless it. Lord, I pray that you would bless your word. Lord, for those that maybe do not understand, maybe those that may not even know you as Savior, that, Lord, you would help them to understand their need of a salvation, that if they are saved, that you would help them to rightly understand and to discern the times, Lord, the indicators. Lord, and I pray that it would cause all of us to live differently in light of your coming. And we pray this in Jesus' precious name, amen. You may be seated. Thank you for standing this morning. <clears throat> the world's largest library is a three-story building. It's the U.S. Library of Congress. In this building, and I think we have a picture of the reading room in the Thomas Jefferson Building, that in this building, like many in our nation's capital, there are uh, on the buildings and in the buildings, many things that are of real importance. On one of the pillars in the Thomas Jefferson Reading Room 
is a statement that these words are written. It says, one God, one law, one element, and one far-off divine event to which the whole creation moves. Now, Tyler, I don't know if you can. Can you enlarge that to where we can see it or no? Do you know how to do that? Maybe, maybe not, but there you go, right there. Notice one God, one law, one element, one far-off divine event to which the whole creation moves. Now, you think about those words that are put there, talking really uh, uh, to the Christians this morning, how that all of us should be looking forward to that divine event to which the whole creation moves. What is that event? It's the return of Jesus Christ. We are looking forward to His return one day, but until the Lord does, there are many indicators in that we see in the Scriptures, in the prophecies of the Word of God that actually characterize what things will be like in what we call the end times. Let me share a few of those with you, and as I give them to you, you will probably say, yep, 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 see that going on, and I want you to see it. Notice Matthew 24 but mentions there shall be wars and rumors of wars, but the Bible says, see that ye be not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation shall rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom, and there shall be famines and pestilences and earthquakes in diverse places. So the Bible mentions that, that, that one of the indicators of the end times is wars and rumors of wars. Another indicator is Israel's return to their land. Mentioned this last Sunday night. Ezekiel said that God says, I will take you from among the heathen and gather you out of all countries and will bring you into your own land. Another indicator would be false prophets. The Bible mentions in Matthew 24, many false prophets shall rise and shall deceive many. There are many today that are trying to lead people astray, that are sharing things that are not truths from the Word of God. And we find again another indicator, one that might not be uh, one that would pop to your forefront, but I believe that you will see that there has been an increase in transportation and technology. Daniel, notice chapter 12, O Daniel, shut up the word, seal the book, even to the time of the end, many shall run to and fro, and knowledge shall be increased. There's a reason they call your phone a smartphone. It's amazing some of the things that pop up and the technology that's out there things that were not even thought of many hundreds or even in the, the, the not-so-distant past, but yet we are seeing an increase in technology and transportation. There is another indicator, a rise in the occult practices. Paul wrote to Timothy and said, The Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith giving heed or listening to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. There will also be, and we're seeing more and more of this, diseases and earthquakes. Luke 21, great earthquakes shall be in diverse places and famines and pestilences and fearful sights and great signs 
shall there be from heaven. Now, when you study the scriptures, we all understand that the last days that we're talking about will culminate in a seven-year period known as the time of tribulation. Now, there are many in the world today that would scoff at these truths, that would say that, listen, this is a bunch of nonsense. There are political strategists that actually label Americans who believe in biblical prophecy, they call us over-imaginative. They actually go so far as to call us radicals because we believe what the Bible says when it comes to prophecy. I love this quote that somebody said, how a person interprets current events is determined by the lens through which he views them. Now, when you think about all that we hear, and listen, there's really no good news outside the gospel, but the many things that we hear about what's going on in the world today, what's happening is, is that they are viewing the world currently and the world futuristically through two lenses. They are viewing the world through a political lens, and they're viewing the world through an economic lens. Now, the problem is, is that they are failing to look through the most important lens, and that is the Word of God. We need to look at the Bible to see what the Word of God has to say. And I don't know about you, but when I look in the Word of God, it just seems to me like the full picture of what's going to happen becomes more and more clear to me. As I look at the Word of God, folks, I don't know about you, but as a Christian, I am not discouraged. I am encouraged about what's going to happen in the days ahead. The development of these end-time prophecies, you know what they do? They actually point our future upward. See, so many have their eyes on this world. What is going on? What does this world hold for me? But we who are Christians, we look to that event that we see there uh, in that building, uh, the Thomas Jefferson building, that hopeful moment where there will be a catching away, as the Bible calls it. One day, all who are saved will be caught up to meet the Lord, and we will spend all of eternity with the Lord. And that event, that divine event that the, that the Scriptures talk about is known as the rapture. Now, let me give you three thoughts this morning that deal with the rapture. The first one is the promise of the rapture. Again, we go to the Scriptures. What is the Bible? What does God have to say? Now, I'll tell you, if, if our hope, our blessed hope, was based on politics or on politicians, we would have much to fear. But I will tell you that our blessed hope is based on the solid promises of the Word of God. And so as we look this morning, what do we see about, what does the Bible say about the rapture, about this promise that God has given to us? Well, notice first of all that the rapture is a successive promise. What do I mean by that? Here's what I mean, that it is repeated often in the Scripture. Think about these statistics, over 1,800 references in the Old Testament, 17 of the Old Testament books speak of the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Of the 260 chapters in the New Testament of our Bible, there are more than 300 references to the Lord's return. That is one out of every 30 
verses in the New Testament deal with the Lord's return. 23 out of the 27 books of the New Testament of your Bible refer to this great event. For every prophecy dealing with the first coming of Jesus, which was when Jesus left heaven, came to this earth, was born of a virgin, we call that Christmas, that was his first coming. For every reference in the Bible to the first coming of Christ, there are eight references to the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. See, the rapture and the second coming of Christ are thoroughly covered in the Scriptures. And what that tells us is that Christ wants us to think about it often. He wants it to be on our minds and in our hearts. He wants us to live in light of His imminent return. Now, I'm going to talk about that word in just a minute, but I want you to think about this this morning, that the promise of the rapture is that it is a successive promise, meaning that it is mentioned throughout Scripture often, but notice it's also a sure promise. Folks, listen, the rapture is not a possibility, it is a certainty. It is going to happen. Look at some verses there in your notes, Titus 2, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Philippians 3, for our conversation. Notice our life is in heaven from whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Hebrews 9, so Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many, and unto them that look for him shall he appear the second time without sin unto salvation. Peter wrote, when the chief shepherd shall appear, ye shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. Folks, can I just say this morning, God would not encourage us to look for an event that is not going to happen. He tells us to look for that blessed hope, for the the coming of the Lord. Listen, it is a sure promise. Why? Because He will come for His own. You see, we find that it's successive promise. It is a sure promise. Look at this. It's a securing promise. Now, again, what do I mean by that? I'm talking about because it's a promise from God. It is a firm promise. It is a promise we can depend upon. It is a safe promise. This world that we live in gives us no hope, the world that we live in. But when we look at the the rapture and this promise that God gives, it gives us security. It gives us stability in times of change, in times of uncertainty. Jesus, while he was on this earth, not too uh, clo- not too far away from when he would go to the cross, he gathered his disciples together, and of course he had that last meal with them. He he shared many things with them while he was with them. But one of the things that he did was he tried to comfort them. He tried to share some words that still today bring great comfort to us because God has preserved it so that we have it even to this very day. And I want you to notice what Jesus said then and what God is saying to us now in light of this securing promise. Notice John 14, let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. 
In my Father's house are many mansions, and if it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, notice, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. Now, when I think about that promise, uh, there are other things that God has given us regarding this promise. For instance, one of the two ordinances that the Lord gives to the church is that he wants us to observe what we call the Lord's table. Some people call it communion, but it's an opportunity. Our church will do this in a couple weeks, and we might do it five, six, seven times a year. People say sometimes, Pastor, why don't we do it more? Well, listen, Jesus said, do this as oft as you will in remembrance of me. So every time we have that Lord's table, we have the elements, which would be the bread and the juice. The elements, they represent the body of Christ and the shed blood of Jesus Christ. And as we partake of the Lord's table, then the Bible says that as we do that, that we are showing his death till he comes. You see, the rapture is a securing promise. But notice also, it is a specific promise. Now let's go back to our text this morning, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse 13. Look at the words again. But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep. Now the word there means those that are dead, those that are asleep. Notice that you sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Now, as you look at those words there, it gives us very specific details. I, I see this powerful message gives very important facts about the rapture. Notice, first of all, the Lord will return. The Lord will return. Now, when Jesus comes, notice what it says in verse 16. The Lord himself shall descend from heaven. He's not sending someone else. And when he comes, he is going to come literally, and he is going to come bodily. Now, long before Jesus ever went to the cross and gave his life, Zechariah in the Old Testament actually spoke of this. The Bible says there in the last chapter of the book of Zechariah, he predicted the Lord's coming. He calls it the day of the Lord. And the Bible says his feet shall stand in that day upon the Mount of Olives, which is before Jerusalem on the east, and the Mount of Olives shall cleave in the midst thereof toward the east and toward the west. And there shall be a very great valley, and half the mountain shall be removed towards the north, and half of it toward the south. So listen, understand that Zechariah prophesied 
that there was going to come a day, which by the way is still future for us, where the Lord will come back to the very same place that he ascended up from when he was on this earth. Now Jesus had been crucified, he rose on the third day, and he spent 40 days on this earth with his disciples. And as he finished that post-resurrection ministry, he was there with them on the Mount of Olives. And as they were with him, he began to rise up into the air. And the Bible says there in Acts 1.11, notice, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as ye have seen him go into heaven. In other words, the same way he went up, the same way he's coming down. Now understand that as we think about the promise here in 1 Thessalonians, we see that the Lord will return. Notice the second thing from 1 Thessalonians uh, chapter 4 is that we will hear the voice of the archangel and the trump of God. The Bible says again in verse 16, The Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, and with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God. Notice thirdly, the Bible says the dead in Christ shall rise first. We see that that when a Christian, listen to me, I hope you're saved this morning. Because when a child of God dies, according to the word of God, his spirit is immediately taken to heaven. The Bible says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. But at the rapture, what will happen is the soul and the spirit of those that have gone on before us will be reunited with their new and glorified bodies. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 15, 52, in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound and the dead shall be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed. So notice again the specific promise that he gives of the rapture. The Lord will return, will hear the voice of the archangel and the trump of God. The dead in Christ will rise. Notice, fourthly, Christians will be caught up. Notice what it says in verse 17. Then we which are alive and remain, talking about when the Lord comes back, shall be caught up together with them in the clouds. See, those that are still on the earth, when the rapture happens, will join those who have already gone before us. Now, the word that often is used, and you don't find this word in the Bible, that we've been talking about this morning is the word rapture. The Latin word is rapturo. Now, again, when you look at it, you say, well, why do we use that word? Why do we use that concept? Well, the word that you see about being caught up or snatched away, actually in the scripture is the Greek word harpazo. Well, guess what it means? It means exactly the same thing as the the Latin word rapturo means, which means to be snatched or to caught away. So the Christians, the Bible says, we will be caught up together with the Lord. Notice it says we will 
meet the Lord in the air. Now again, this is, this is something that we need to understand clearly. And let me, let me state this, that oftentimes people misunderstand. This, what the rapture is not, is it's not the second coming. Because the Bible says at the rapture, the Lord is going to be in the air. That we will meet the Lord in the air. Jesus is not coming back to the earth at the rapture. We are meeting the Lord in the air. Very important that we understand that this is not the second coming. And then notice the sixth truth is that we, uh, verse number 17, so shall we ever be with the Lord. What a wonderful thing it's going to be that we will instantly be in the presence of God. We will be with Jesus for all of eternity. And if you are like me and you have seen the faithfulness of our God, then listen, here's what you need to make sure you're doing right now is you are listening for that trumpet to sound. Because I'm going to tell you something, God's word is very specific when it comes to this promise of the rapture. But I want you to see, secondly, this morning, the prospect of the rapture. Now, when we talk about the prospect, what are we talking about? We're talking about the hope, the blessed hope that we have. The world we live in is chaotic. I mean, every day, uh, you're just like, what, really, seriously? I mean, people are doing things, things are happening, and in the world that we live, lasting hope cannot be found. But we find that as Paul is writing here under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit in 1 Thessalonians 4, I want you to notice the last verse there, verse 18. After Paul gives all the details about the rapture, notice these words that he encouraged the believers with. He says, wherefore, or based on everything I just said, comfort one another with these words. Now, folks, it's kind of hard to be comforted if you're going through the tribulation. He says, look, there is comfort for the believer. The, for the Christian, the rapture is a source of comfort. It is a source of hope. When that trumpet sounds, we're going to leave all pain. We're going to leave all sorrow. We're going to leave all losses in this life behind when the trumpet sounds. We will be reunited with our loved ones that have gone before us. And even better than that is, we will ever be with the Lord. Listen, the rapture, understand this morning that it delivers all believers, not some, all believers from the time known as the tribulation. Now, I've used this chart before, but I want to pull that up again. And I don't want you to pay attention necessarily to what we've covered in Daniel's prophecy I want you to notice the cross there, and then I want you to see that time period we've talked about, which is what we're currently in, which is called the church age. Now understand that as we are a part of the church, here's something I want you to think about as I continue in the message this morning, and get this, the church is not a building, it's the people of God. And according to the Bible, the church today is comprised of Jew and Gentile. You see, it's anyone who puts their faith in Christ. So when we talk about believers or we talk about the church, that's what we're talking about. 
And as we think about this chart and what we're covering this morning and what we'll cover in the days ahead, here's the thought that ought to be on your mind is that you're a part of the church that Jesus established. Well, why are we here? Because we are to go into all the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're to preach the good news to every creature. So God has given us this opportunity. Now, the one thing we don't know is how long this church age is going to last. Now, many believe, and I'm kind of leaning that direction, that we're, we're very close to the end. I'm not a date setter. No one knows the day nor the hour. But I will tell you that as you look at that time, notice at the end of the church age, see the arrow going up? And above that, do you see the arrow coming down and going back up? Because we're going to be caught up together with the Lord. The Lord's coming down to meet us in the air, and then we will be with the Lord. So here's the thing is, if you notice the next section past that, it's called the tribulation. Now, look, I'm not here to split hairs. I'm not here to, to aggravate or upset anyone this morning. I understand that we have individual soul liberty. I understand that many times people have different views. I'm not here to, to mandate, dictate. I'm here to just share what the scriptures have to say. I would encourage you to do what I've done over my Christian life, and that is to study the scriptures to make sure you're rightly dividing the word of truth. But a lot of people have different ideas, different concepts about this event known as the rapture. Say, well, you know, well, who's right and who's wrong? Okay, well, let me put it this way. God's right. See, God in his word. And again, if we're looking through the right lens, then we're going to understand it. Now, I think it's very important that we understand these events because we need to know as the days unfold. But here's the most important thing is, is that we are saved and we are telling other people that they too can be saved. Everybody with me so far? Now, I said all that because what I'm about to say might make some enemies, but I love you anyway, all right? Let me share a few thoughts with you because, again, people have different concepts about the rapture. So, Tyler, just leave that up there for a while, and I want people to be looking at that while I share this because these are different ideas about the rapture, all right? For instance... If you are someone that, as this shows, as the scriptures show, that the, the rapture will happen and the saints will be caught out and then the tribulation happens, that's called a pre-tribulation rapture, all right? A pre-trib rapture. They people that hold to this, they believe that the church, that the saints will be taken out of this world before the tribulation begins. Now, there are some who believe in what they call a partial rapture. Now, the partial rapture, this is where they hold to that only the faithful believers that are looking for the Lord's return will be the ones that will be raptured out. Again, show me in the Bible. But there are some that say only those that are looking. Now, all of us should be looking. There is another one called a mid-trib or mid-tribulation rapture. Now, again, if you look at that, that, that period that it's there says tribulation. That is defined in the Bible as a seven-year period. It's divided straight down the middle, three and a half years, three and a half years. The second half of it is known as the great tribulation. When you read the book of Revelation and other places in the Bible, it describes the wrath of God that's going to be poured out 
on this earth during that time period. And there are some that hold to, they believe that Christians are going to go into the tribulation and they're going to be on this earth for the first three and a half or the first half of the tribulation. And at the midpoint, they will be raptured out of this earth. There are others that hold to what is known as a pre-wrath rapture view. And this particular view says that the church will be raptured out. The saints will be taken out right before God's greatest wrath is outpoured on this earth. To me, those the mid-trib and the pre-wrath probably are in and of the same because that's probably going to happen simultaneously. There is another view known as the post-tribulation rapture view. These are those that believe that Christians are going to go completely through the entire time of tribulation, and at the end of the tribulation, then they will be taken out of this earth. And if that wasn't enough, there's one more. It's called the secret rapture view, and that is one that people hold this belief. They believe that the rapture and the second coming are the same event, that they are not two separate events. Now, again, where do we go to discern or make sense of all this? The Word of God. What does the Bible have to say? Look, understand this morning that the one thing that we do know is this, that Christ has not returned yet. And sometimes people say because uh, even people in the Bible like Peter and Paul and others who have believed that he would come back in their day, some people are just scoffers who would say, the Lord's just not going to come back, period. He's not going to come back ever. Now, say, well, why is the Lord tarrying his coming? Well, here's a great verse. If somebody ever asked you that, look at the verse there, 2 Peter 3, 9. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise. Do you know what that means? God keeps his promises. God doesn't break his promises. God is good on his word. Well, what did he say? What was his promise? Notice, not as men count slackness, but God is long-suffering to us word. And God is not willing that any would perish, but that all would come to repentance. You see what I see there? I see that it is the grace of God. It is the long-suffering of God. God is giving men the opportunity to be saved before it's eternally too late. Can you say amen to that? Listen, I'm going to tell you something. Aren't you glad you're saved this morning? Aren't you glad that somebody brought the gospel to you and that you heard the truth and you believed on the Lord Jesus Christ and you're not trusting in what you can do to get to heaven someday? You believe in Jesus Christ and Christ alone this morning for your salvation. But I'm going to tell you, how many of you know somebody that's not saved? I think all of us. See, God is tearing His coming so that we could go to them before it's eternally too late. Because at the end of the church age, as you see it there, here's what's going to happen. The saved are going to be with the Lord in heaven. And the unsaved will be on this earth. And they will go into that seven-year period known as the time of the tribulation. People oftentimes want to make fun and joke about it, but it's going to be a Read the book of Revelation about the things that will happen on this earth. The tribulation will end 
at the second coming of Jesus Christ. Notice the arrow coming down. How the Lord comes and he defeats even with his word, the Bible tells us. And it's important that we see the prospect. Listen, for us as Christians, it's a blessed hope. But I want you to see this morning that the rapture is an imminent hope. Now we come back to this word that may or may not be familiar to you. What the word imminent means is it can happen at any moment, at any time. It could be today. According to the Bible, nothing else needs to happen for the rapture to take place. See, a lot of times people say, well, this needs to happen and this needs to happen and this needs. God is a God of order. And God has given us many prophecies, and when it comes to the rapture, everything is in place right now for the Lord to come back. And you and I should be looking for the Lord to come back that we can be caught out of here to be with the Lord. Now, there are reasons that I believe the scriptures teach that the rapture is an imminent hope, that it can happen even at this very moment. Notice some of these with me this morning. First of all, the rapture is imminent because the church is not appointed to wrath. Now remember what I said, the church is the saved. It's Jews and Gentiles that believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and according to the Bible, we have not been appointed to wrath. In other words, God does not want us to go through that tribulation as many falsely believe. Notice a couple verses here, and I could give you many, but understand 1 Thessalonians 5, 9. For God hath not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ. 1 Thessalonians 1, 10. And to wait, we are to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, which delivered us from the wrath to come. You see, I find here that the rapture is imminent because the church is not appointed to wrath. Notice another thing, that it is an imminent hope because the church is absent in the book of Revelation from chapter 4 to chapter 18. Now, why those chapters? Because that is the time that describes what's going to happen on the earth during the tribulation time. Look what the Bible says as you get to chapter 2 and chapter 3 of the book of Revelation. There are seven letters written to seven churches that I believe describe the different ages that we've seen the church go through. But when you come to chapter 4, look what the Bible says in verse 1. After this, I looked. John wrote, and behold, a door was opened in heaven. And the first voice which I heard was as it were of a trumpet talking with me, which said, Come up hither. And I will show thee things which must be hereafter. Folks, can I tell you, I have studied, I know many people that have studied, and if you search from Revelation 4 to Revelation 18, you will not find any mention of the church. And the reason you don't is because the church is not here during the time of tribulation. Now another reason why the rapture is an imminent hope is because it is promised by the Lord. Notice one of those letters to one of those churches in Revelation 3, verse 10. Look at these words. Because he's writing to the church, the saints of God. Because thou hast kept the word of my patience, I also will keep thee from the hour of temptation. Notice 
He didn't say, I will keep thee during the hour of temptation. He said, I will keep thee from the hour of temptation, which shall come upon all the earth to try them that dwell upon the earth. Now, as you see that there, he's promising. Hey, listen, I don't know about you, but I've made a lot of promises. I've broke, God's never broken one of his promises. And he is promising that we will not go through that time period. And then look at this. At the end of that uh, verse there, verse number 11 of Revelation 3, he says these words, Behold, I come quickly, which to me affirms the imminent return of the Lord Jesus, the imminence of the rapture as we see it. Notice again that it is promised by the Lord. Another reason why the rapture is imminent is because of the order that we find in the scriptures. Now again, listen, God is a God of order. God's not like us. You know, you walk, sometimes you go into people's houses and things are disheveled. You go to, you get in somebody's car and there's just stuff everywhere uh, at work. They, they, they're just, you know, whatever happens, happens. Listen, I don't know about you, but I like some order in my life. I'm glad I got a wife that likes to keep her house. I mean, I like things to be done. And when it comes to my God and his word, he is very orderly. For instance, there are people and religions that have taught for years that the only thing you need to do to go to heaven is to be baptized. That's not taught from Scripture. There's no such thing as baptismal regeneration. But what we do see is that the only prerequisite to go to heaven is to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. So watch this. Here's the order that oftentimes gets out of order is salvation, then baptism, and then being a part of a church. The Bible says, Then they that gladly received his word were baptized, and the same day they were added unto them about 3,000 souls. So when you think about the order that God gives in regards to the rapture and the imminence of the rapture, when you go to our text this morning, 1 Thessalonians 4, Paul, remember these aren't Paul's words, Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, describes in detail the event known as the rapture. When you turn the page in your Bible to the next chapter, 1 Thessalonians 5, guess what God deals with in 1 Thessalonians 5? The day of the Lord. That's the coming of the Lord Jesus. And then in 1 Thessalonians 5, he deals with the event known as the tribulation. So guess what the order is when it comes to the scripture? It is the rapture the return of the Lord, and the tribulation. So when you look at the return of the Lord and you see the rapture is eminent, why? Because of the order that is given in the scriptures. Now, look at the next one that we see is the rapture is imminent because the Old Testament prophecy does not include events related to the church. As a matter of fact, it was not seen by the prophets in the Old Testament. This was a concept that God had in view that Jesus came and established the church in the New Testament. But the Old Testament prophets, when they prophesied about future events, they were very specific with every detail about every future event that they talked about. Yet, 
When you look at the Old Testament prophets, guess what? They are silent concerning the church. And what this tells us is that that part of God's plan was not yet revealed until the time of Christ. See, the Old Testament prophets were silent on the rapture. That indicates that the rapture relates to the church. And we need to understand, again, it is God's way to spare the church, the saved, from the time of tribulation. Now, what is the time of tribulation? Here it is. It is the time where God will turn the hearts of the nation of Israel, the Jewish people, back to him, back to the Messiah, which is where God had always intended their hearts to be. And you see that throughout the Old Testament. So the rapture, listen, when we talk about the prospect of the rapture, it's an imminent hope. It could happen at any moment. It could happen today. Now, there's a man that's in the room this morning that's 90 years old. And he has said from the time I met him eight years ago that he believes with all his heart that the Lord is going to come back before he steps out of this life into eternity. And Bill Flynn's sitting right there. And I'm going to tell you something. I hope the Lord comes back before he goes. I hope he comes back before I go. Listen, I'm looking forward to that blessed hope for the Lord coming back. But listen, not only is it an imminent hope, but it is an inspirational hope. Hey, listen, when you look at our songbook, there are a lot of songs in our songbook that speak about the rapture, that talk about this time period, like the song, When We See Christ. Or how about the song, What a Day That Will Be. Or how about this one, When the Roll is Called Up Yonder, I'll Be There. Or We Shall Behold Him. One of the reasons why we can be inspired is because according to the rapture, not every believer will see death. Look at the Bible says again, 1 Corinthians 15, 51. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep. Do you get that? We're not all going to die. We're all, some of us, the Lord's going to come back while we are still alive, while we still remain. And look at this. It says, and we shall all be changed. Look at the next couple verses. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal shall must put on immortality. Hey, listen, you put this old body in the ground, ashes to ashes and dust to dust. But I'm going to tell you something, this mortal body is going to put on immortality. We're going to receive a new body when we see the Lord, a glorified body, a body that will never get weary, will never be feeble, will never be ill, will never grow old. The greatest joy about eternity is spending it in the presence of the Lord. Look what John said. I love this verse, 1 John 3, 2. Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. What a blessing it is. Listen, I'm going to tell you, Scripture is filled with promises of Christ's imminent return. You see, I I love the promise of the rapture. 
And I love the prospect of the rapture. But I'm, I want to give you one thought as we get ready to leave here today and go out into this world. And I want to talk to you about the preparation for the rapture. How do we prepare? If the Lord is coming back, how do we prepare for this divine event? Well, the starting point of preparing for the rapture is knowing Christ as your Savior. Are you saved today? I mean, I'm not talking about your names on some church roll. I'm not talking about, I talked to a man yesterday, stood outside, it wasn't even his house, he was doing some work for somebody. And I asked him, I said, are you going to church on Sunday? He said, nope. I said, did you used to? Yep. So are you ever going to come back? You ever going to come back? The longer I talked to him, he was very religious. Knew a lot of Bible verses. But as I spent some time with him, I realized one great truth that made him very sad. He was lost. He didn't know Christ as his Savior. Tried to share the gospel, but it didn't do him any good. Talked about what he was involved in and how he had been lied to in so many said, what you're doing right now, he said, I did that for 42 years. He's looking for something tangible, something that he could hold on to. But here's what he said to me. I've been praying and asking God, begging God to give me a sign, show me something. I looked at him and I said, here I am. Now, I'm not something, I'm nothing. But I said, here you are at someone's house getting a job. And I just happened to come up to this street. When you came out to your truck to get your coffee. And he did not want to see me. Now, there's a lot of people like that. I you to look at a couple verses here this morning, and I, I hope and pray that you take them. But look at 2 Thessalonians 2, verse 10. With all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish, because they receive not the love of the truth, that they might be saved. For this cause, God shall send them strong delusion, that they should believe a lie, that they all might be damned who believed not the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. See, there's a lot of people that believe in all kinds of things. Jesus said, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Folks, what you hold in your hand is not your own. It's God's word. Thy word is the what the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 6.2 for he saith I have heard thee in a time accepted in the day of salvation have I assured thee behold now now is the accepted time behold now now is the day of salvation if you're here this morning and you're not saved do you understand do you understand God loves you 
God does not want you to perish. He does not want you to go through that time of tribulation. But if you reject Him, that's what Esther did. She forgave and got rid of that fear. Now, for those of you that are Christians and can look back to a time or maybe a place put your faith in Christ. What is the strategy? How do you prepare as a Christian for the rapture? See, I believe that preparation for the rapture is the same in all preparations. Preparation in the area of purity. See, it's easy as we live in this world to allow sin have something between us and God and something between us and another person. But as Christians, we should live in a way that pleases the Lord. That when He comes for us, we will be pleasing to Him. Some of you may, and I don't mean to cause unpleasant memories this morning, but maybe you served in the military and you're to what is known as a confession. A lot of times in the military they do various types of inspections. There are daily inspections where sometimes they will do inspections on the troops, the soldiers, individual soldiers. They're looking at them, their uniforms, and make sure that they're presentable. Then there's other inspections that they might do on, on a weekly basis where they might come into some of the areas that some of the military would work, maybe into the barracks, and they would check things out there. And there's those types of inspections. But there's the one inspection that you see right there that you're getting ready to write your blood test. It's where one of the officers would put on a white glove, would come to your area, and would take that glove, and with his finger he would begin to rub his fingers to see if once he pulled his finger off that there was any dirt on that glove. But you know, oftentimes, they would not just on the surface of the hand start to clean that stuff with their fingers and rub it. They would go underneath. They would go to places where dirt and grime would be, and they would find It's going to be the the kind of an inspection that I want to go to. And I don't want there to be something in my hand that if God were to take the glove, not just on the surface, but say, look, we all look the same. How you doing? Good. How's it going? Fine. See, we're all getting this hope in him. Well, that's a little bit 
talk about the Lord, right? The blessed hope of the Lord coming back. If we have that hope in us that he's coming back, watch this, purifieth himself even as he See, the whole purpose of purification is to expose the dirt in our lives so that we can be clean, so that we can be prepared for the rapture, for when the Lord comes back. Folks, I don't know about you, but any day now, the Lord could come back. Are you ready for that? Stand with me this morning with your heads bowed and your eyes closed. We don't know the day, the Bible tells us. No man knows the day nor the hour. But this we do know, that He is coming back. And with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, I know this, God will come back when needed. And the Bible says, in hope of eternal life, which God that cannot lie promised before the world began. You see, we're going to be caught up to meet the Lord in the air. Will you be in that meeting? If you're here this morning and you're not saved, why don't you come today? Come to the altar, as we call it here, the front of the auditorium, a place that we've dedicated to come to meet the Lord. We love to take the Bible and show you how you could know Christ as your Savior, that heaven would be your home, that you would not have to go through what the Bible calls the time of tribulation you will ever be with the Lord. If you need to be saved today, I'm going to have a word of prayer. I'm going to ask you if you would come. We'll have a lady with a lady and a man with a man. Take the Bible and show you how God has promised that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. But if you are a Christian this And it's easy and we should get excited. We should be looking and listening for the coming of the Lord. But how's your life today? Some of you might want to come today. Maybe there's some things you need to ask God. Ask God to help you clean up in your life. And others may want to come this morning to pray for someone that the Lord's put on your heart today. But you need to take the good news. Lord, thank you for this morning. Pray that you bless this invitation. God, that you would use it to help your people. If there's someone here that needs to be saved, would they come today? We ask this in Jesus' name. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, as Brother Kenny begins to sing, why don't you come? Come this morning. Thank God for his promises. Thank God for the hope that we have. If you need to be saved,
day that, uh, Lord, you'd help us as this song just said, Lord, help us to have our lives in order that there's nothing between our soul and our Savior. Lord, I pray that as we see the day approaching, uh, the return of Christ, the imminent return of Christ, uh, Lord, that we would have our life in order, that our life would be a witness and a testimony, a bright light in a dark world today. Lord, I pray that our life and, uh, Lord, our words, the things we do would ever be trying souls for Jesus Christ before it may be eternally too late. Lord, I pray that uh, as we've been reminded of the return of Christ this morning, that I would help us and challenge us that uh, the time is short and that we need to do everything that we can to reach as many as we can before that time is, is here. Lord, I pray you'd help us to challenge ourselves and uh, Lord, to, to be a blessing to others. Uh, Lord, that you'd use our lives to reach souls Lord, that there would be nothing between our soul and the Savior. Lord, we pray your blessings upon this day. We pray this in Jesus' name.